What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylightSportsMT.com. Welcome to March. We are, as you listen to this, getting ready to hit the road for Boise, Idaho. We'll be headed down Friday. We'll be there uh, March 3rd through March 8th. I'll be on Colter Nuanas. I'll be on the ESPN Plus pregame show before each and every contest throughout the tournament in Boise. And we'll also have all sorts of podcast coverage for you, video coverage for you, features for you, all sorts of different things. In this Big Sky Breakdown, sort of a conglomeration of the week leading up to the Big Sky Tournament. I sat down with Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz. This was a cross-promotion with him for his Inside the Den podcast, uh, as well as we have a refurbishing of our ESPN Roundtable from Nuanas Now, our daily radio show, and we have our all-conference teams from the Men's League. Also, if you want a full scoop on the Women's League, go check out the Nuanas Now podcast. From Wednesday, March 1st, Krista Redpath, our Big Sky Conference Women's Basketball Analyst, joined us in our ESPN MT studio to take us around the Big Sky Women's Hoops. So go check that out on the Nuanas Now podcast. And in this one, ESPN Roundtable, quick-hitting word association about all 10 Big Sky Conference teams. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. John Velk, his latest installment of his top 12 countdown. We got number four through number two of the greatest Grizz Velk has ever seen. He's been sitting courtside for more than 40 years. And uh, Velk and Velk Law, proud sponsor of Grizz Hoops throughout this basketball season. And uh, then we give you our all-conference teams, myself and Andrew Houghton, uh, also a supplement from Nuanas Now. Big Sky Breakdown. Appreciate all of our fine sponsors and uh, appreciate you for listening. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications, Opportunity Bank, Dave Maldonado and Maldonado Law, JV Restaurant Supply, Town Pump, and John Velk and Velk Law. But thanks so much to you for listening. SkylineSportsMT.com. Keep it tuned there all week long for the best Big Sky Conference tournament coverage. Dusty is uh, the sales manager there at Blackfoot Communications. When people think of Blackfoot, they know about so many of the different elements of the fiber, the communication elements, you know, the, the internet, all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to selling, what exactly are you selling? Yeah, well, you know, before I worked at Blackfoot, I really didn't know. Uh, through the totally. years as a tech, and then coming through the sales world, you start to understand there's a lot of a lot of different details that that you wouldn't uh, traditionally think of. Managed services is a big one for us right now. I have customers all over the nation. It's a pretty cool feeling to be able to work from little old Missoula, Montana, all over that nation uh, that we that we love so dearly. I got customers in Florida. I got customers. In Alaska. Haven't got to visit either of those uh, yet, but hopefully I'll get to do some on-site traveling there. But I guess the point is we're not really stuck to just our fiber assets uh, like we traditionally were. We're kind of spread out now. The Big Sky Conference Tournament Preview Edition of the Inside the Den. It continues on. We are here in Boise getting set to go. And for the authority of the Big Sky Conference, bring in our great friend from Skyline Sports, ESPN Missoula, pretty much everything else. It's Coulter Nuanez. Coulter, we haven't done one of these in a while, but of course I was saving it for this exact moment because now we can chronicle the entire season. How does it feel to finally get to Boise and now we have games on the horizon coming well, up? Well, I thought that the uh, the men's league, which I know we're going to get into, was a little bit of a slog this year until it came down the stretch and then it got really fun down the stretch once we had some seating scenarios and things like that. I thought the women's race was awesome. I think women's basketball just in general at the Division One levels in a much better place than men's basketball is. There's a lot of reasons for that, improvements in the game. Uh, also just the ability to sort of harness the the evolution of the transfer portal. There's a lot more familiar faces on the women's side. But all that said – uh, now the games matter the most, and uh, it's exciting to be here in Boise. So thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's crazy, and it's it's wild for both of these teams, or for really for every team that's had success throughout the year because the teams at the bottom can hit the reset button, and it's all reset from here as we talk with Coulter Nuanez. This is the Inside the Den 
podcast brought to you by Blackfoot, the official digital partner of Grizzly Athletics. Okay, themes from the conference this season. You you have watched men's basketball in the big sky throughout. Do you feel the league is better? Is it more even? Is the bottom better? Is the top watered down? We've heard pretty much a little bit of everything. Conference RPI, Ken Palm ratings, all those things come into play. Just from what you've seen with your eyes, what stands out to you? I think the last couple years we've seen a massive transformation of the Big Sky Conference. I think there's several reasons for that. First of all, you had several of the longest tenured coaches in the league step away. Randy Ray was at Weber State for 16 seasons. Ryan Katz was at Sac State for 16 seasons. You knew those guys were always going to be competitive. Like, was Sac ever going to go win the league under Brian Katz? Every once in a while, he'd have a team that maybe could make a little noise. But you also knew Sac was going to have just two or three of the best guys in the league, and they're going to be a team that could beat you any night out. They're a team that was going to win eight to ten league games. Well prepared. Well prepared, tough to play against, tough-minded, all that stuff. And, I mean, Coach Ray, it's, the resume speaks for itself. He's the, the all-time winning coach in the history of the Big Sky Conference, You know, five-time Big Sky Coach of the Year. So losing those guys was definitely interesting. There was also a moment in time where – the league had a bunch of guys that were that were uh, hired because of their recruiting prowess. Brian Fish, Montana State. Don Verlin, Idaho. Jack Murphy, Northern Arizona. And those guys were bringing in a higher caliber player than their program had seen. Guys like Fish and Murphy didn't have a lot of success with those players. They were kind of stuck in the middle of the league, even with an influx of talent. But I also think the thing that has changed the Big Sky a lot is the exit of Southern Utah. Because Southern Utah did it different than pretty much everybody else. They were doing the transfer portal carousel years before everybody else sort of was forced to go down that route. So I think we've seen the league change quite a bit. I also think, though, we've seen a sort of a re-establishment uh, of the hierarchy of coaches. You still have Travis DeKear from Montana as a stalwart there, but then you have a couple of the best young coaches on the West Coast. Danny Sprinkle at Montana State, David Riley at Eastern Washington. Those have both had I- impacts on the, on the league as well. I know as we record this, it's less than a week since Idaho fired their guy in Zach Klaus. What a brutal way to get fired. We could do a whole radio segment on how they mishandled that situation not once, not twice, but three times. Regardless, though, Idaho being at the bottom of the league also just changes the landscape of the conference because, you know, when they came back from the WAC, they were absolutely towards the top of the league. They haven't been there. So I think that to answer your question, I think that we look at the RPI – the league is sitting at 17th or 18th, depending on which week you look at it, which is better than it has been the last couple of years. There's also no teams ranked in the bo- at 300 or below. I think the last ranked team is 281 Idaho. for Idaho. So that means there's 65 to 70 Division One teams that are worse than Idaho. I think that says way more about the state of low-level men's college basketball than it does about the quality of the Big Sky Conference. Because I hearken back to the last two years in Reno when the Grizz were cutting down the nets at the end. The teams they had to beat along the ways, all those teams are better than the teams that are in the league right now. Andre Spite and Jordan Davis's Northern Colorado team, or Montana State and Harold. The Cats are an anomaly because they had these great players under Fish, but they're a way better team now under Sprinkle. But you know, you look from Southern Utah to uh, those great Idaho teams. North Dakota. North had Dakota a had a couple great teams. Weber with Joel Ballenboy and Jeremy Sangler and those guys. So I, I don't know if you were to put like some of the mid 2010s teams against Eastern or Montana or Montana State from this year. I don't know if they are as good. Also, though, I think it's been way harder to analyze because there's so many new faces. 
that's the number one point I'd make about the league this year, Riley. The second half of the league was so much better to watch than the first half because the first half nobody knew how to play together. Only one team knew how to play together, and that was Eastern Washington. That's why they ran the table. Then Montana, Montana State, they all start learning how to play together, and it, the basketball became way more appealing the second half. And Weber State as well, 15-7, and seven, I think something like that in their final 22 games. Great points across the board and kind of chronicling the last decade here of Big Sky Conference basketball as we chat with Colter Nuanez here in Boise getting set for the Big Sky Conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the coaches and being longest tenured now. When I told Travis that for the first time in a pregame interview, he kind of gave me a double take. Right. He, he didn't even realize Because you're an and he's the longest tenured coach of the league, right? Right, he is. And he's like, wow, okay, yeah, I guess I am the old guy now anymore. But uh, let's transition to, to teams in this league because I feel that, you know, you and I, we, we, we chat regularly throughout the conference season. Okay, power rankings, who surprised you, all of those things. And to me, it just feels, Coulter, that there's a little separation between the top four and the other six. With that being said, do you agree with that, number one? And number two, biggest surprise team this year, it could be either good or bad. I think there's a lot of separation between the top four and everybody else. I actually don't think that Idaho State and Sac State, the other two teams that got buys outside the top four, are any better than Northern Arizona or Northern Colorado or even Portland State. I think there's only really one team that's not very good, and that's Idaho. And I think they're going to have the hardest time making any noise because yeah. they're going to be playing under a, a coach that has had the job for five days by the time they take the <laughs> I court. Mean, that was just a segue in that. That was so bizarre. We were there <laughs> totally we, we were there on Monday night, and when the Vandals came out of the locker room, I mean, there were tears, stoic faces, and, and we knew something happened. That, that was totally bizarre across the board, but but yes. Uh, I, maybe it ignites them, and they go they steal that game on a Saturday. Uh, you know, there is this new format, which I know we're going to get to, but <laughs> regardless, yeah. I thought, based on eye test, what I saw live and in person, mostly sitting at Dahlberg Arena and, and sometimes sitting at Brick Breeden Fieldhouse, that I thought that the fifth best team I saw was Northern Arizona. And I know they're sitting there at nine, but they lost after their overtime loss to Weber – They lost eight games by three points or less. They lost as the buzzer sounded twice. I've never heard of that. A basketball team losing truly at the horn on a walk-off twice. I mean – those Portland State games. The, I mean, the Portland State second one is it's not possible. No. It's not possible. You're not supposed to be able to get a shot off in half a second. And they not only got the tip shot off, but they made it I mean. out of full course pass. So – I mean, you know, if you're a betting man, maybe sprinkle a little money on Northern Arizona and make a run in this tournament because they have had all of the bad luck. They can't think that, you know, that luck has to turn around at some point. But I thought they were actually better eye test-wise than Idaho State, better eye test-wise than Sac State, better eye test-wise than Portland State. So maybe Northern Arizona is a team that can make a run. I also think that Northern Colorado uh, – that Northern Colorado is such a litmus test for proving what I have long believed about basketball, having a bunch of ball-dominant – scoring guards, it doesn't get you anywhere because if one guy has the ball, the other two guys are just standing around watching. It doesn't get you anywhere. That's where Northern Colorado has been stuck in the mud all year long. That said, they do have three guys that could go off for 25-plus points in a tournament game that could win you a game or two. I would love to spark some debate here and pick a different surprise team, but to me – it is Northern Arizona. To me, all year long, they have been the fifth-best team in this league. They're dangerous going in. Northern Colorado, they're they're sneaky because now – they're, they're obviously their season has went way south, but they can hit the reset button. That's they can right. have a fresh mentality to where they're a little bit dangerous. Who would have ever thought that Northern Colorado, of all the talent they had coming back, that they would miss Kerr Joan Cooch maybe the most of anybody? <laughs> For sure, though. Down below. Uh, you got to have rim protection. Yep. I mean, they, they Steve Smiley told me that on my ESPN <laughs> radio show. He said, hey, Kerr, 
Kurjankuc and Bodie Hume were the right. reason we were able to play all these three and four guard lineups because we had somebody that could protect the rim. Yeah. They had nobody to protect the rim. It's been a, a black hole. That's been a huge issue for a lot of teams in the Big Sky Conference. And the teams that have been able to protect the rim, Eastern, Montana State, Montana's figured it out a little bit here these last six or seven games. And, of course, Weber, those are the teams that are the top four in the league. I think it's been one of the, the primary factors in success. Judy is the channel development manager at Blackfoot Communications. What do you think of just the mission of Blackfoot? Because I'm so impressed with you guys and the way that you guys just cater so well to individuals and people in small communities. And It's a very humanized company, and I enjoy that about working with you guys. It's a great company. Well, Blackfoot, we really do care about people, communities, and our member owners. We are a cooperative, and so our CEO, Jason Williams, reports to the board, and the board is consists of member owners. Hi, I'm attorney Dave Maldonado, a seasoned litigator with over a decade of experience in Montana. Have you been injured in a car accident? If so, remember insurance companies want to give you as little money as possible. There's a reason why they have the biggest buildings in the largest cities. Don't let big insurance bully you. Visit BigSkyDefender.com today to see how I can help you get fair compensation for your injuries. The consultation's free and the fight's real. This is, of course, the Inside the Den podcast as we chat with Colter Nuanas. It's always brought to you by Blackfoot, a great partner for both the Inside the Den podcast, the digital partner of Grizzly Athletics, and everything Colter does with Skyline Sports and ESPN Missoula. So it is the Inside the Den. I want to ask you specifically your take on the Grizz. I get the front row seat. I get to see it. I want your perspective on it. They've been a different team in the back half of play. This has been a polar opposite season from last year where they lost 8 of 11. They didn't have it figured out. Now, a team with momentum. What have you seen if you've chronicled or conference? journey here this season I think that first of all I said this on my uh, ESPN radio show uh, early last week sometimes oftentimes I am way harder on the Grizz than any other team both men's and women's basketball and so much of that is because one of the main opponents for the Grizz and Lady Grizz all the time is themselves their history there isn't another arena you can go to in the big sky where there's 40 banners hanging up there between the two basketball programs. So sometimes it, I, I, don't, I don't ever want to be unfair, but we are really hard on Montana because the expectations to me for the Grizz and, and Lady Grizz, especially the men Grizz because they've had so much stability under Travis DeCure, is conference championships. That's what the expectation is. So the last couple of years when the Grizz have been stuck in the middle of the league and they've had these massive stretches where they've, quite frankly, playing bad basketball that's hard to watch, it's been mystifying to me. I mean, I grew up in Missoula. I can't ever remember times when the Grizz were both not winning and not very fun to watch. That That's a completely new thing. Well, I think that this team deserves a ton of credit because midway through the season, you're sitting there thinking they, they, they might have lost it. They, they, they're they 3-6 and six this year. They have, they're at even 500 over their last 50-plus Big Sky Conference games. They might just be a middle-of-the-road program. Now, maybe they just lost the magic touch. And then they completely changed it. They changed the way that they played. They changed the hierarchy of leadership. They changed the ball distribution, the roles, everything. I think that the three things that I've seen that have really boosted this team to be, I think, arguably probably the second, the hottest or second hottest team in the league coming in the tournament. See, it's the Cats and the Grizz. Yep. That's who it is. The three things I've seen change the most, though, are, one, they have defined hierarchy of leadership. It was Josh Bannon. Now it's Anand Moody and Josh Bannon together, and those two guys have – uh, distinctly different personalities, which I think really helps this team. 
And helps Coach Secure. It helps Coach Secure for sure. I mean, Anand Moody being the guy, like we've talked about this extensively on ESPN and on this podcast, Coach Secure needs a guy that's going to go back at him. He needs a guy that's going to, you know, when he gets yelled at, makes him better. He had that for so long. Ahmad Rory, Saeed Pridget, now he's got another guy, Anand Moody, because he's older, he's mature, he can do it. So I think the redistribution of the, the hierarchy of leadership has been huge. I think the putting Josh Bannon on the ball in the half court has been absolutely enormous because now you have a truly unguardable player. If you if you have a guy who can guard Bannon out to 25 feet, that's fine. He's the best passing big in the league. If you have a guy who can't guard him, he's getting the rim, he's slapping the glass off the left side of the backboard all day. And so it makes your offense pretty much unstoppable, especially when Moody moves like he does off the ball. And now you get what you get from Brandon Whitney, but you don't have to rely on it. If Brandon Whitney gets you six points, but he plays good defense, you're fine. If he gets you 20 points, you're giddy. And so I think that's been the, the, a huge part. And then I also think that they fundamentally changed their offense as well. They've been running this Stu Morrill high-low from 1989 yeah. forever. They stopped doing it. They're running the motion offense now, which actually caters to their shooters who can move well without the ball, particularly Moody, but also guys like Lionel Martin, guys like uh, Deshaun Thomas. And that, in turn, has made them a lot better to watch as well. So I think they deserve a ton of credit because – I, I, I thought they were too stubborn to change anything, and then they changed everything. And it's made it so that they're actually playing their best basketball they've played in multiple years. And wild to think, they lead the Big Sky Conference now in three-pointers made, three-point percentage. They have set it up for their shooters. On and Moody, I mean, you've covered this league a long time. I mean, a story like On and Moody to be the seventh-eighth guy at Southern Utah, yeah. you know, go from North Dakota to Southern Utah, yep. he told me he wasn't sure. He, he was almost settling on – the fact he was probably going to be a Division II player maybe for uh, the final year or two. And to see him now be potentially all-conference, we'll get into that in a second, but just the evolution of his career to go from a 7th, 8th man to Southern Utah to now, what has that been like to see from from your lens as well? Well, I think two things. It's affirmed to me, one, that <laughs> this is why I have so much confidence yeah. in analyzing college basketball. <laughs> There's sort of the notion amongst the public, well, you don't know as much as the coaches. I sometimes think the coaches don't know as much as we think they do or they get stuck in their own ways of believing. Southern Utah put on and Moody in a pigeonhole. They said, you are a stand-in-the-corner set shooter. That's not what he is. Mm-mm. He's not tall enough to be the, the corner three-point shooter, the three-and-D type guy that the NBA has sort of made so popular. He has to be a guy that moves without the ball. He has to be a focal point of your offense because then if he is, he's a guy that can get you 20 every single night. So I think that he was miscast. I think that's on the coaches that he played for before he got here. The other thing, though, is I think that sometimes we see guys get miscast and they lose the joy of the game. That's what I see in Anand Moody. He made a conscious decision to start having fun again. And that also has revolutionized everything that the Grizz do because who has been a bigger fan favorite than Anand Moody? I mean, he's the most popular Grizz of the last four years, right? I mean, those chants and Delbert When Green he's doing something. the one, two, three, four, after his four point plays, he's blowing kisses to everybody. I mean, it's amazing, man. It's so fun to watch. I just love him. Uh, I just love watching him play. And uh, it is, it's, a, it's an awesome story, and I'm so happy for him. Cool. We're talking with Coulter Nuanas. A couple more for you here as we're down in Boise getting ready for the conference tournament. Coulter has so much great content work coming out all week long, whether it's the ESPN Plus broadcast for the conference tournament, Skyline Sports MT, or his daily radio show on ESPN Missoula. What's your thoughts on this new format this season? Because uh, it's unique. I think even last night we were down in Moscow, or I should say earlier this week in Moscow, people were still confused that 7 plays 8 and 9 plays 10. Right. You got the bye. The, the, 
well, your, just your thoughts on the on the new format, Colton. Well, I think that they did it to protect the top seeds more. That's what I think the biggest argument from the coaches always has been. There's been, there's really been no difference in the top seeds. For a long time, you had to win three games in three days on the men's side. Yep. No matter what. Now you do get a, a, a built-in day off, which helps a lot, I think. In terms of this year, though, again, I don't think uh, – <laughs> I think that five through ten are not all the same. No. In, in the men's side. So I don't really know how much I, – I guess we won't know until we see how it all plays out. I do, I do think they did a better job protecting the top seeds, but I don't really think that we'll know anything more in terms of the new format until we see it. My only call is this. On Sunday, whether it's the men's or the women's side, yep. one of the top four seeds is going down. One, two on the men or one, two on the women. Someone's going to get upset because I feel the teams that play on Saturday, sure. they get a game on that court and yep. knowing that th- there's not much separation yep. from five through ten – Something's going to happen. I'm not saying who. Yep. Somebody, I think, is going down on Sunday. The, the, the domino is going to be if Idaho shows up to play. <laughs> if Idaho doesn't show up to play under a first-time head coach and Northern Arizona runs them out of the gym, Northern Arizona is going to be feeling like kings of the world. And then they're going to take all the momentum into play in the top seed in Eastern Washington. Who has no momentum. Who has no momentum. Who has lost their last two coming in after an 18-game winning streak. Okay, all-conference teams. This has been a great topic of debate. It just who would be your all-conference teams? We don't know when the turn- when the conference is officially going to release all of it, but just your all-conference tournament teams, and, and is there a no-doubt MVP in your eyes? I think Dylan Jones is the no-doubt MVP. I think that Weber State would be nowhere close to the third-place team. I think Weber is the same as everybody else, if not toward the bottom of the league if they don't have Dylan Jones. That's not taking anything away. I think Weber has fine role players. Dylan Jones is just a completely unique player. I mean, he is hes the greatest rebounder I've seen in the league in probably 10 years. Probably Joel Ballenboy at yeah. Weber is the last guy that compares to Dylan Jones rebounding-wise. But guess what? They also play him at point guard in, the, in their offense. And he's like 6'7", 240 pounds coming downhill at you. I mean – there's been more close games in the Big Sky this year than any other league in the country. That's a fact. I think there's been 29 games that came down to three points or less. Man. Dylan Jones straight up won three games at the buzzer for Weber State. He beat Sac State by himself twice by getting to the rim at the horn two different times. So, I mean, you talk about adding to winning basketball. The dude's got 19 double-doubles. I mean, he is – He's a freak, man. He's he's a high major player. He's one of those guys you can put on any team, any conference in the country, and he's playing. He's getting run at every single every single conference in the country. So I think that he's the MVP for sure. I think there's only two other surefire first-team all-league guys. I think it's Raekwon Battle at Montana State. I think it's Angelo Allegri at Eastern Washington. I think you have to watch Eastern to know why Allegri is the surefire guy. Still, Vendors has made a bunch of big shots. Mm-hmm. I think he deserves some first-team consideration. But Allegri's the straw that stirs the drink. He's the dude that makes them go. They can play this unorthodox big lineup because he is the guy that can play point guard. So I think that that gives them a big boost up. But then I think – so I would have those four, Battle, Jones, Allegri, Venters, all my first team. And then I think the debate for the last two spots is between several different guys. It is going to be fascinating, too, because I agree with you. Those top four are there. you got to throw two on there from Eastern. Interesting, the Venters-Allegri debate, but I, I think Dylan Jones obviously wins the MVP as well. Then you throw on and Moody, Josh Bannon. Then you have the, the debate of guys that have put up good numbers but maybe haven't resulted in wins or on bad teams. Got a Cam Parker, a Dalton Connect. You've got Jalen Cohn. So Isaac Jones, they put up good numbers. Where does all that mix? It'll be interesting as we uh, – 
kind of find out all the list here together. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, – I'm going to stick to exactly what I've always said throughout the years. If you're on a team with a losing record, you don't get to be in consideration on my first or second team all big sky. That's it. In basketball, statistics are for losers because if you're putting up big-time statistics and you're losing, then your statistics don't matter. Correct. Give me the guy that's hitting big shots like Steel Venters to win games or Dylan Jones to win games over guys that average five to ten more points than them. I mean, Cam Parker's putting up the most ridiculous stats in the league. Paul State went six and eleven in league play. You don't get to be on my first or second team. So I think that the only teams I'm going to be voting from are those top four we've already talked about: Eastern Montana State, Weber State, Montana, and then Idaho State. I think Brock McKenzie probably sneaks onto that second team. Braden Parker because in he hit he hit a bunch. Of, Brock yeah. McKenzie really carried Idaho State down the stretch. He was the man in that game when they beat Eastern Washington, which is kind of their signature win of the year. But I think that the the debate for the the last two spots on the first team are between a couple Grizzlies, Anna Moody and Josh Bannon, and then a couple Bobcats, Jabril Bello, Darius Brown. I think all four of those guys have to be somewhere in the, the that top ten. And uh, then, you know, how do you round out your your eleventh guy? I don't know. I, I I don't know where you go there. I don't think there's anybody from Weber that really rises up and grabs that spot. I don't think there's anybody from Eastern that really rises up and grabs that spot. Dalton Connect leading scorer in the league. I know that they took eighth, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Second yeah, team. maybe you throw Connect on the second yeah. team, just because they did win a couple games late. They beat Idaho State late. I don't know, but I, I do think to me it's got to be two guys each from those top three or four teams. I'm I'm with you on that. Winning, you have to reward winning. Okay, Colter, we're going to talk with Ace Sourwine about the the women's tournament coming up. So I've got one final question for you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Everybody wants you to pick a winner. I'm not going to do that. I know you well enough to. You want the best story. That's right. So tell me what the best story would be on Wednesday night in oh, Boise. Wow. Man. Or see, just the tournament that's in actually, That's actually really a good question because I think that – first of all, I think there's only four teams that can win the tournament. I think it's the top four seeds. Yeah. I think all four of them would be tremendous stories. I think if the Cats repeat, that's a tremendous story, especially this day and age of college basketball where you have to manage the hype and the transfers and the roster overturn, and you had to deal with the the potential of your coach leaving in the offseason like they did last year with Danny Sprinkle, that'd be a great story. If the Grizz resurrect themselves and, I mean, from what they were to where they fell to then what they could be, that's an amazing job by Travis DeCure. I know that he was frustrated. We talked to Travis every single week. I know he was beyond frustrated with the state of affairs with Grizz basketball as a guy who's coaching at his alma mater. If they were to go out and win it, especially if it was on the legs of Auden Moody, that's a that's 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 a one shining moment story. I mean they're getting featured in the NCAA tournament yeah. if they go to the NCAAs behind Auden Moody, the twenty five year old who's married with kids who's with on his, who's and- on his third school and he's, you know, from middle of nowhere, North Dakota. I mean, it's an awesome story, yeah. man. The only way Weber wins it if Dylan Jones is completely freaks out, but that would be a great story because he's the he's the biggest he is the the most surefire pro in the league. I think Josh Bannon and Jabril Bello are, are in that same conversation, but Dylan Jones is gonna make money playing basketball for a really long time. So if he freaks out and uh, leads Weber to the title, that would be a great story. And then Eastern Washington, I mean, Riley, you and I were in Indianapolis in the most unorthodox NCAA tournament we will ever go to. Ever. And we watched Weber, or excuse me, Eastern Washington, take Kansas all the way down the wire. Tanner Groves looks like the second coming of Bill Walton. The dude's scoring 35 points. Like, they're going heads up with, with a big 12 team. We're like, what? This is Kansas. In a high school gym. In a high school gym. 
shortly after that tournament, we watched Kansas. I can't remember who we watched them just blow the doors off of somebody. And you're like, wow, Eastern's pretty good because Kansas killed whoever they played in the second round to go to the Sweet 16 that year. Uh, then literally everybody walked out the door. Shante Leggins, their top eight players, and all their assistant coaches left. David Riley's sitting there like, hey, guys, can I come play? Like, what, what? 33 years old at the time, too. Just they just walk out, and you're sitting there with all the stuff going on at Eastern with the fact that there's this uh, study, the viability of Division One athletics. The football program has fallen from grace. We'll see if they can get back on track. That's a whole different tangent, though. For all of that scuttle to be going on, and then in your second year to go make one of the great runs, I mean – I know they've lost two in a row, but their 16-year-old start is the greatest start in the history of the Big Sky Conference. That is the best start ever in this league, and this league's been around since 1963. So if they were to then bounce back from those two losses, go on a run, they're going to have to go through at least two of the top four teams to get there. Uh, that would be a hell of a story as well. So I think all the stories are pretty great. You covered that perfectly. That was the, good. The but best, I agree with you. Honestly, and I'm not just pandering to the crowd listening to this story, the best story would be if the Grizz won the tournament. From where they were at, Sacramento State. Because, I mean, seriously, yeah. you and I were texting the night that they lost at home to fall to 3-6, and six, and I was, like, stat-checking with you. I'm like, do I have this right? Like, the Grizz are below 500 over the last three years. They're at 500 in conference play. What the heck is going on? And since then, they've only lost a rivalry game, and, and that's it. So – uh, it's been quite a turnaround. If they could keep it going, it would be a pretty good story. Well, no matter what, it's going to be a fun week here in Boise. Colter Nuanas, this was a great chat. So much insight. I know a lot of Big Sky fans, not only Grizz fans, enjoyed the heck out of this. Thanks so much for what you do. And, and tell everybody where they can find your work all week long. Is I will say, I'm not just pandering to you. You probably will be the busiest guy down here in Boise <laughs> for the next couple of days. Yeah, we got all sorts of stuff coming. We're going to have daily feature stories every morning. So for those uh, Grizz people, Listening out there, we got a feature coming out on Carmen G. Feller. We also have a feature coming out on Josh Bannon. So uh, excited for those ones to drop. Uh, that's SkylineSportsMT.com. We also have Big Sky Breakdown podcasts each evening, recapping the day that was with wow. instant reaction from myself, uh, Andrew Houghton, Brooks Nuanas, maybe Riley Corcoran, depending on who played in the games. But just kind of quick hitting 20 minute little recaps uh, each evening, SkylineSportsMT.com. And then I'll also have daily radio shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. On 102.9 ESPN Radio in Missoula, uh, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT apps. Go check out all that stuff. And uh, it's best week of the year every year, man. Can't wait. Can't, I'm really looking forward to it. We are going to have a blast down here and make sure to follow Colter for all his work. Thanks for sitting down with us. Enjoy the rest of the week, my man. Thanks, man. Dusty is uh, the sales manager there at Blackfoot Communications. What's the fair part about working at Blackfoot? I mean, you guys are such a cool company, and I just love interacting with all you guys. It seems like they hire such great people. But, I mean, what's your favorite part about your role there? You know, my favorite part about my role is I get to help out, uh, you know, our customers with some pretty complicated solutions. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. But I have some really close friends, some of which you know and play baseball totally, with as well, yeah. that work there. And it's really cool to, to just walk by their office or have them walk by my office. I've known these guys since I was six years old. My mother-in-law just retired from Blackfoot. My great-grandfather remembers when Blackfoot was started in 1954. <laughs> and so the history is just something unique. And when I was at Mount Jamboese playing that little league, little, little league, before we got to sure. be teammates, I played for Blackfoot Telephone. Oh, uh, nice. So it's just kind of a cool uh, overall story to be a part of that um, successful company. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, 
Our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Let's dive into our ESPN roundtable. It's Big Sky Conference tournament quick hitter style. We're going to play a little word association. Myself, Andrew Houghton. Ten teams these days in the Big Sky Conference. So we're just going to go top to bottom and uh, break down this men's tournament field. We'll start with the top seed, Eastern Washington. The Eagles had the longest winning streak in all of Division I this year. They won 18 straight games. 16 of them came in Big Sky Conference play. That 16-0 start, the best six, the best start excuse me, in conference play in Big Sky Conference history, surpassing the 1968 Weber State Wildcats, who started 15-0. Eastern first team ever to win 16 consecutive games in Big Sky Conference men's basketball. What word do you have for the Eagles, Andrew? Mismatch. In which way? In which way are they a mismatch? That's just the way they've been all season long, Coulter. I've been saying it all season long. The way that they can put five guys who are six foot six or better or taller on the floor at all times and they keep enough shooting and they keep enough rebounding and they keep enough playmaking with that group of guys. You, no other team in the league is built like that because it's really hard to get guys like that in the big sky. The way that they've done it, too, I mean, for, I, I think Eastern has such such richness to their story because, first, Eastern's been good in, in men's hoops uh, over the last decade or so. Rodney Stuckey was kind of the first breakthrough player, but that, that was about 15 years ago. But then since Jim Hayford took over, they've had a pretty similar identity, a pretty similar style. Hayford won a big sky title uh, with those Good teams led by guys like Tyler Harvey, Becky Joyce, uh, Austin McBroom, Felix Von Off. All those guys are still playing pro ball. Then when Hayford left to go to the West Coast Conference, he passed the reins off to one of his assistants, Shante Leggins. Leggins was good and then great. Leggins led Eastern to a 13 seed. Well, first of all, he led Eastern to multiple Big Sky Championship games. They lost both of them to Montana. But then they got over the top and replaced Montana for a moment in time as the top program in the league. And uh, then a mass exodus. Shante Leggins, Tanner Groves, the Big Sky MVP, his brother Jacob Groves, Former All-League players like Jacob Davidson, Michael Matthews, Kim Aiken. Everybody. pretty. I mean, seriously, pretty much everybody in their rotation. The only man left standing in Cheney was basically two men left standing in Cheney. Ellis Magnuson, their, uh, their reserve point guard, and David Riley, who was an assistant under Leggins, who then became the head coach. Well, last year for them to even just go 500 in league was pretty impressive considering the mass exodus. Then for them to turn around and go 16-2 and this year, pretty darn impressive. But I also think they, my word for Eastern Washington would be, because mismatch is a good one. My word is creative because they've been creative in how they've gone about getting players. Angelo Allegri, one of the best players in the league. 
a transfer from UNC Greensboro. Steel Venters, one of the best players in the league. From tiny Ellensburg, Washington, my old stomping grounds. But they also have guys from prestigious high schools like Wasatch Academy, where Casey Jones hails from. But they also have guys from non-Division I schools that were transfers, like Dane Erickstrup, who's a transfer from Cal Poly Pomona. You know, they got transfer from Western Colorado. They got transfers from all over the place. Louisiana Lafayette. They got transfer from Fresno State. They got transfers from Jacksonville University. Willamette, which is a D3 school. So they're not just mining the, the, the uh, status quo. They're, they're digging down deep. And uh, I think that's what their, their styles are unorthodox. David O'Reilly's coaching styles is unorthodox. Their roster is unorthodox. So I think creativity is what's been the thing that's defined Eastern so far this year. Yeah, and I love that you made that point, Coulter, because another great word for them would be chip, not as in championship. I'm not making any predictions here, but just in the, the chips on the shoulders of all those guys. And not to give away too much of the feature that I'm writing about that team, but that's been one of the big things that's come up in talking with, with players and coaches on that team. All those guys that are, are at Eastern Washington because they want to be there in large part because... They didn't have a lot of other opportunities at other levels, and that sort of uh, melded and made them really competitive and a, a really tight unit from everything that I have heard out of Eastern Washington. ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Paradise Falls, great gathering place for both family and friends alike. They have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, full-service casino, plus they have 18 draft beers, early and late happy hours. Go check out Paradise Falls on the south side of Missoula. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Word Association, Big Sky Conference men's hoop style. Montana State, the second seed. I would say Coulter, um, favorite, I guess, is the way to, to describe them. Sure. My word, uh, ex- my experience? Word, my word's bullseye, so I think that those are sort of along the same lines. I was thinking about pressure, too, yeah. which I think plays into the bullseye thing that you're talking about. I think that there is a certain element of pressure that comes with being the defending champs. I think the way Danny Sprinkle coaches, though, I think pressure is a welcome thing. Sprinkle said on this show last week, I thought that his description of the of his coaching style was so apt. He talked about how he talks to every individual guy on his team and in his program before the season and early in the season. And then they also talk as a group collectively throughout the summer and early in the year. And they determine what their individual and group goals are. And those are then set in stone, concrete. So then, like Sprinkle said, after that, I don't ask them. I demand from them. That's all there is. I demand from these guys what I know they need to reach what they have told me their goals are. The goal for this team is defined as to repeat as Big Sky Conference champions. There's nothing less. They don't make excuses. That's why I'm so impressed with the job Danny Sprinkle's done. In the in this day and age of ultra-connectivity and what have you done for me now and instant gratification, you can totally go down the road of always finding excuses. That's not what these this team does, though. They only find ways. It's amazing to think that as good as the team was last year and winning the outright Big Sky title and hanging a banner 
uh, regular season banner for the first time in 20 years, that this Bobcat team actually had a better conference winning percentage and actually won. Uh, I guess they didn't win as many games, but they only they lost one less game than they did a year ago, even with the bullseye on their backs. Pretty darn impressive. The Cats also quietly have won 10 out of their last 11 going to the tournament. That's the underrated part because everybody was so fixated on Eastern Washington's 16-game winning streak, which then came to an end and then got doubled down on with Montana State winning in Cheney on Monday. The Cats have only lost once in the last month and a half. They're definitely the the uh, riding the biggest wave of momentum going into the Big Sky Tournament. Yeah, and they've made themselves. I mean, they're they're the best defense in the conference. That they've sort of uh, taken a stranglehold on that spot down the stretch of this winning streak here. Uh, they have, you know, the guys who have been there before Coulter, and I just think that they're the team that's the best built for it uh, going into it. They also are going to benefit from playing on a neutral court. They have a great home court advantage, twenty five and two over the last two years in Bozeman, Montana. But also just some of the guys that they have, uh, like Jabril Bello, he draws a lot of fouls, he gets a lot of calls, but he also gets called. He also gets officiated. Uh, how do you say? I don't want to say unfairly because I actually don't think there's any bias in refing most of the time. I don't think the refs are good enough to be biased, but I think that. Sometimes just being bigger and stronger than everybody is detrimental uh, to guys like Jabril Bell. Moving on, number three, the third seed, Weber State. What's your word for the Wildcats? Dylan Jones, can you guard him? Can you stop him? Yeah. Can you stop him from creating? Is he going to be hitting his threes? Does that matter? Uh, Is he – are you going to be able to stop him? I mean, he's got like a bunch of game-winning buckets down the stretch of this season, Coulter. Three, in fact, to, to actually straight up win the game. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, he can slash, he can shoot, he's been creating more. Um, he's the he's the one guy who I think could go could go supernova and just sort of win the tournament single-handedly. I think you'll give him a chance to win the tournament. If he actually was able to win the tournament single-handedly, that would be an all-time effort for sure. But... You and I have both talked about the, this guy throughout the, the year. Not only is the best player in the league, he's also just an anomaly within the league. His, Like Jalen Rose always says, positions were created by people that don't understand basketball. Dylan Jones plays multiple positions. It's just a matter of what Weaver State's doing. In the extended fast break, he's the point guard like the point forward. In the half court, he's kind of the point guard. He's also 6'7", 235 pounds, and he's the power forward defensively. So he just does it all. Uh, He, I mean, Weaver was okay last year, and he almost did it last year. I mean, people forget the Cats needed all of it to be able to outlast Weaver in the semis to be able to get to the championship. So, uh I mean, my word for Weaver was just going to be MVP because I think Dylan Jones, spoiler alert, but I think he is the Big Sky MVP, and uh, how far can he take him? All right, now, the fourth seed, how about the Grizzlies? What's your word for Montana? Uh, A lot of good ones here also, potentially, Coulter. I think uh, time machine is in a sense of getting back to the past Sure. uh, with these teams. You know, Montana has always been a great tournament team under Travis DeCure. Last year, they took a big step back. This year, they brought back some of the cornerstones of that team. I think we're seeing a little bit of, down the stretch here for them, 
a return to just, you know, being really solid in those close games, doing the things that you need to do to close out those close games. I don't know if that's going to continue, but that's what has to continue uh, if they're going to make a run. My word is hierarchy because I think that the the redefinition and the restructuring of the hierarchy of leadership for the Grizz basketball team has been among, if not the key factors to their success. As Travis DeCure said on this show a couple weeks ago, sometimes you can't just have one definitive leader. You need a couple because different guys hear different things. They listen to different styles. Coming into the year, you had a couple stalwarts in the in the Grizz program that are among the stalwarts in the league. Josh Bannon and Brandon Whitney have both been good players since they were freshmen. Bannon had been a great player as a sophomore. He was a preseason all the big sky guy. He's kind of wired like that. He's a smart guy, well-spoken guy, driven guy. And so he's sort of the anointed leader coming in. Not taking anything away from Josh Bannon, but I think that he is a leader by example and also is very critical of himself, which then in turn maybe uh, takes away from, I don't know, how do you say? They needed a spiritual, emotional guy. That's what Grizz basketball has been about forever. Having a fan favorite, having a guy that can pander to the crowd, having a guy that can spark the momentum, all that stuff is so important in basketball in general, but particularly with a program like Montana that has such a tried-and-true tradition of success. And Adam Moody has become that guy. I also think, though, that redistribution of leadership has led to a, a renewal of trust. I also think that renewal of trust has led to the ability to do different things offensively. And so then when it all trickles down, it's not that they're like scoring a crazy amount more points or that the style broadly has changed, but their offensive execution has been much better. It's been much more efficient. And their ability to close out games more than anything has been much more efficient. With a guy like Travis DeCure who calls so much so much stuff from the bench, offensively, defensively, out of timeouts, games are just going to be close because he wants to control the game for better or worse. He's a great coach, though, in controlling the game, getting to the end, and then you got to close it out. The Grizz didn't close it out the first half of the season. Now they are closing it out, and look at them. They've won eight out of nine going into the tournament. So I do think that uh, sometimes we're, we're just placating when we're talking about, ooh, you know, half the teams in this league could win this tournament. That's actually almost never true. There's usually only actually two or maybe three teams who could actually win the whole shooting match. I think there's actually four teams, though, that could win this tournament, and I think Montana's one of them. I think that's right. That's where I draw the line, too. I think Montana's definitely in that group, but they've got things to contend with, right? They've they got do. They've got bad memories from close games earlier this year. That's right. Uh, they've got bad memories, I think, from the way they went out in the tournament last year against Weber State in the first game they played there. Um, what's going to happen... If things start to go a little bit screwy in this opening game against Idaho State and the realization that this is the tournament kicks in for that team, or are they going to lose the hierarchy that's been so carefully defined, as you said, over the second half of the season? Sometimes you need the luck of the draw, too. And I actually think that Montana has a better draw than some of the other teams because I think that of the top four teams, the teams... First of all, we're going to get to Idaho State in a minute because that's my fifth word association. But... Montana swept Idaho State this year. They also, though, Eastern Washington has completely had their number for three years in a row. 
but they're hungry to write that narrative. And just in terms of pure basketball, I think that the worst matchup in the league for the Grizz is the Cats. The second worst matchup in the league for the Grizz is Weaver State. So I'd rather have Eastern if I was Montana. I'm not saying the top seed is some sort of crazy favorable draw, but I think it's, I think it's a better draw than either of the other two top seeds. Noir is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. I wanted to spend the most amount of time on those top four seats. Now we'll go a little bit more quickly. Word Association, Big State Conference Men's Basketball, uh, Idaho State. Uh, proof. I need to see it. There's still I, I, I think you could say that I'm probably still disrespecting Idaho State a little bit, but I, I agree with you completely, and this is why I didn't want to make that point a second ago. Idaho State's a great first-round matchup for the Grizz. I am I know that I'm a hater. I'm If anybody in Pokey's listening to me, I, I'm a hater. From what I saw live and in person, and to be completely square with everybody, I did not see Portland State or Sac State in person because the Portland State game got canceled here in Missoula, and I was out of town for the Sac State game. But of the other eight teams I saw in the Big Sky this year, I think the only team that I thought was not as good as Idaho State was Idaho. I think Northern Arizona Northern Colorado uh, are, are better than Idaho State. I just think they're better. I think they have better players. I think that it, Idaho State, though, found ways to win games. And I also think Idaho State has a good coach. I think Ryan Looney is a good coach. I think he does a good job. And I think he has a, the ability to put his guys in position to succeed. Uh, if I'm Montana, I'm looking at my chops, man. Definitely. Because uh, I think that that's the most favorable of the top five matchups in the first round. I agree with you, Coulter. Of course, that's a viewpoint bolstered by what the Grizz did to Idaho State in Missoula. We were both at that game. I mean, they beat him by 30. Idaho State didn't have any solutions for him. They had a couple players missing that game. They were, Jared Rodriguez was out. Austin Smaley was out. Yep. Uh, and the other thing I'll say for Idaho State real quick here, I think Brock McKenzie's sort of really taken over that role as, as the, the talisman for the team, right? The the guy who gets the crowd going, the guy who gets the team going. He had 28. They knocked off Eastern Washington. Uh, he's going to have to come up big. But it, he, I think he's shown that he's capable of that. He has shown he's capable of it. That's why it's a good matchup for the Grizz, though, because – Idaho State employs you know, sort of an unorthodox big man in Braden Parker, but that's sort of a, one of the only teams where Montana could take advantage of their pick-and-pop bigs, especially Deshaun Thomas in that element. Also, Brandon Whitney's a really good on-ball defender. He can be put on Brock McKenzie. And more than anything, Idaho State has nothing for Josh Bannon. That That's the, the catalyst for everything the Grizz are going to do is is playing Bannon on the ball in the half court. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Sac State, where are we at with the Hornets? Same thing as Idaho State. I, I don't really have a word for Sac State. Actually, they're one of the few that I haven't thought of a word for. But I just, I'm not, I'm not really all the way there with them. I think they've got good players. I think that... For all of the new players that they brought in this season, David Patrick's actually done a, a pretty good job there of, of setting the roles and setting the hierarchy like we talked about with Montana. I think Zach Chappelle's the guy. Um, I just... Who are they going to go to? Who's taking the big shots? I the Callum McRae, the big seven-footer, has not been impressive to me. Um, I don't have a ton for Sac State. Yeah, I think unproven is is the word because only really Zach Chappelle from that organization period has been in the Big Sky Tournament. He's only been in one of them. 
because David Patrick's new, most of the roster's new. So I think it's, it's totally unproven. We'll see. Maybe they can catch lightning in a bottle. They've been okay to good at sometimes, but uh, up and down otherwise. Seventh seed, Portland State. Where are we at? The Vikings. I would say chaos for them. I think they embraced the chaos really well at the tournament last year. That's sort of Jace Coburn's style, and maybe they have a little bit more control of the chaos this year with Cameron Parker running the show. I think Portland State, of these teams down at the bottom here, that's a team that could be dangerous. Eight seed, Northern Colorado. Where are we at the Bears? I, I'm, not, I'm not in on them. I know they've got so much talent. I, wasted talent would be my my tagline for them, right? They've got Dalen yep. Koontz, they got Matt Johnson, they got Dalton Connect. Okay, they're six and twelve in conference. Uh, they haven't had the sort of eye opening win uh, that even you would say Idaho had over Montana State uh, or Northern Arizona had over Montana. I just I, I'm not there with them. I think disappointment is my word because they were the preseason number two. They do have uh, several of the on paper, at least, best players in the league, and they have not been able to live up to that. Number nine, Northern Arizona ESPN Roundtable, by the way, presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. NAU, the ninth seed. Well, it's been the narrative for them all season long, but unlucky, right? Unlucky yep. in the close games. They've been in in games with all these teams. They, they actually knocked off Montana in overtime, but they've played a ton of close games. They lost on buzzer beaters, I think, both times to Portland State. And that's been the difference between Portland State and Northern Arizona. You take those away, Northern Arizona's up there at the, the seventh seed. Um, is that is that just random, or does that change? My word for Northern Arizona, bracket buster. I think NAU, if they have luck, they win, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe nine league games, and they are sitting in Idaho State spot. I think NAU straight up better than Idaho State in terms of talent. Still don't know what I think of Shane Burkar because I think that he's a great guy to deal with from our perspective. In games, I like his stuff. I like the stuff he runs. I like his uh, edge that he coaches his team with. He, his team plays hard. But there's been a missing link just in terms of finishing games. So it, it's, it's bizarre. I don't know where we're at in terms of the why. But I do think the NAU, all I'm saying is, NAU getting to play Idaho, a team that has a, a lame, I guess a fired coach and, a, and an interim for however many days as a head coach. They get a little juice and they get into another shot at Eastern Washington, a team that they took all the way down the wire and needed basically a shot in the last 10 seconds Eastern did to beat NAU. It's a bad draw if you're the one seed and uh, an interesting draw if you're NAU. All right, last one here on the ESPN Roundtable. How about Idaho, the Vandals? Uh, I would say Slate Coulter is in clean slate. Zach Klaus yeah. axed after, you know, 10 minutes after the season-ending loss to Montana. Another team with, with a lot of talent, you know, I think Isaac Jones has had a great year. Devontae Moffitt is a, is a good, tough shot maker. But maybe there are some tweaks with that team uh, with a new coach with a new eye. I know it's an interim guy who was on staff. Um you know they they've hit rock bottom, right? When you're when you're dropping when you're axing your coach, ten minutes after your regular season finale, you can't really go down any further from there. So I think a, a team that's got some players and a team that just can s- completely start over heading into the tournament. Well, it's now ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls, 
Okay, on the south side of town, you want to go watch some March Madness, whether it's the Big Sky Tournament, high school tournaments from across the state of Montana, or the Big Dance, Paradise Falls will have it on for you. They got breakfast, lunch, and dinner, plus food and drink specials pretty much anytime all day long. Go check out Paradise Falls. 3621 Brook Street, Missoula's cool side spot. We'll give you our all-conference awards and accolades right after this. But before we go to break, one more time, call us, 406-888-1029. 11 wings every 11 minutes, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill as part of our 11th anniversary celebration. Call right now, 406-888-1029. 11 wings every 11 minutes, courtesy of the Despo. It's Wing It Wednesday, 11th anniversary style. All conference teams right after this. Keep it right here. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. So we've been talking all things Big Sky Conference men's hoops here. We gave our uh, all-conference mid-season awards at the mid-season, the midpoint of the season, rather. So that's where I want to start, Andrew, before we give our, our big-time awards, MVP, Coach of the Year, all that sort of stuff. In terms of your first and second team all-conference, is there anybody on there that's different than what we had at the mid-season? Yeah, I think I damn near got it right in midseason, Coulter. I think the one thing that I would do is I would drop Jabril Bello to open up a spot on the first team. So I had I had Raekwon Battle, Dylan Jones, Steel Venters, Jabril Bello, Angelo Allegri, and Josh Bannon on the first team at midseason. At midseason, yeah. And that includes the MVP. That's why there's six players on that's there. Right, that's right. That's exactly my first team here in the postseason. You would, you would keep that? Uh, I, I would keep that. I would. The, the delineations I had were on the second team. I got three different guys on my second team that weren't on my midseason awards. Okay. How about you? Do you have any, anybody different? Uh, that I didn't mention at all for second team? Uh, I do. My, my number one guy is, is easy because I think he has been the turning point for one of the better the teams that have been the the best in the second half of the season, and that's on and Moody. I did not have on and Moody on any uh, on my first or second teams. Yes, uh, I I think that's right. I would bump on and Moody up and to I the ha- second I, team. I have him on the second team. Okay, so how about this debate then? I waffled quite a bit between Josh Bannon and on and Moody because I actually think on and Moody is more important to the Grizz. I think he's been better for the Grizz in the second half. Yet it's impossible to demean the importance of Josh Bannon just as a presence. On the Grizz, so where are we at between debating first and second team uh, for the two best guys on uh, on the Grizzlies? It's a sweet debate, Coulter. Here's where I'm at with it. Anin Moody builds on the floor that Josh Bannon builds for Montana, and it's such a, a great it, way of putting it. It's a huge distinction. Josh Bannon is so important to the baseline of what Montana can be, of Truth. making Montana just a solid, good basketball team that compete in this conference. Everything that Anin Moody does adds levels on top of that baseline that is so much built on Josh Bannon. And we can argue about which of those is more important. I think it's a great debate. 
I have loved watching on and Moody play in the in the second half of this conference season. So um, it's so well said because we've talked about it a lot. But the, the the fundamental move that the Grizz made that differentiated and opened up their offense was in the half court. Most of the time, they put Josh Bannon on the ball. Brandon Whitney is is a good and also unique player because he's a point guard because he's 5'11", and he's he's a good dribble-drive type guy. But he's not your traditional like facilitator type guy. You do this, I do that. You do this, I do that. Making reads off screens. That's not what Brandon Whitney does. He's at his best. We can get in the lane and create. And particularly when you get in the lane and finish. Putting Josh Bannon on the point, though, I I should say on the point, on the ball in the half court, accentuates what Whitney does on and off the ball. But more than anything, it lets Moody do what he does best, and that's move off the ball. So now when teams overcompensate on Moody on the perimeter, Bannon gets a one-on-one, go on the glass, he's he's money. He's, he's getting to the rim. When teams focus on Bannon, now there's less attention on Moody, he's going to get open, and uh, he's going to kill you. So I think that's been a great adjustment. Okay, so um, spoiler alert aside, I'm just going to rip through these. I have that exact first team. Dylan Jones is my MVP. Angelo Allegri and still Benders from Eastern Washington. Raekwon Battle. Josh Bannon, and I do have Jabril Bello on my first team because I think Bello, I, I think Bello is still, even though he's not going to win the MVP, he is the guy that makes everything happen for Montana State just by being alive. Like him on the court helps out everything that they do. He's their heart and soul. He's their captain. He's all of it. Uh, and then my second team, I got Ana Moody. Darius Brown is another guy that snuck up onto my second team. Brock McKenzie from Idaho State is also on my second team. Then I got Dalton Connect from Northern Colorado, and I got Zach Chappelle of Sacramento State. Okay, uh, so like I said, I I just dropped Jabril Bello down to the the second team for me. Yeah. Uh, from midseason, sort of that was the argument that I made for him at midseason. Like, hey man, this is still the guy who makes everything go for Montana State, and I sort of projected well as they're coming down the stretch here, chasing Eastern Washington. We're probably going to see a bump in his stats because they're going to lean on him a little bit more. You know, I I didn't see that Coulter, and I think the, you know the the um. The sort of dud games that he had, he didn't score against Idaho State. Uh, he had a tough game against Montana in the rematch. That was just enough for me to, and I still have huge consideration for Jabril Bello. I think he's a great player. That was enough for me to bump him down and give the spot to uh, somebody who has actually contributed a ton this year. I put Cameron Parker in the sixth spot on my first team. I think that, that might be the way that it plays out because Cameron Parker has undeniably good stats for sure. Dave Sprinkle, who joins us once a week, and he'll join us later on this week, Montana State head men's basketball coach. He, he he calls guys out in his interviews with us every week. He called out Jabril Bello after that offer against Idaho. He said we got needed to be better, and then, and then he struggled in, in the in the rivalry game. and And Sprinkle said last week, I know Jabril's. Not playing as well as he wants to be playing down the stretch of his senior year, and I'm challenging him right here, right now, to play better. 
And then he went out and dropped double doubles in his last two games. He had 21 and 11 on his senior night. I, I yeah, sometimes yeah, I totally get if you're just if you're if you're analyzing the body of work within this scope of the season. I, I totally get how you can and drop him down or whatever. Uh, I just think that. There's one dude in the league where if he just decides I am going to win this SOB, that he's the guy that can do it. No argument, Colter, <laughs> but of course the counterpoint is that if Danny Sprinkle has to be calling him out on a radio show to get him to do that, why wouldn't I just give that spot to Cameron Parker, who's uh, averaging 18 points and leading the conference in assists? No, it's, it's right. It's, it's totally right. I'm reading this great uh, biography about Will Chamberlain, and it's all about, like, when Wilt hit the middle part of his career and he had already won seven straight scoring titles and four MVPs and he was already the leading scorer in the history of the NBA and then he couldn't do anything but right. fail to live up to expectations because he's freaking Wilt Chamberlain. He's 7'3", 275 pounds, strongest, biggest, fastest guy in the whole NBA. It's the Shaq syndrome too, right? Like Shaquille O'Neal has four NBA titles and was like unquestionably the best and most dominant, I should say the best, the most dominant player of his generation, yet there's a whole group of people that think that Shaq was an underachiever. Well, it takes a special kind of motivation to continue when you're already at that point. That's right. And when you are just way bigger and stronger than everybody else, it is. It's, It's a different deal. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. We got through our all-conference teams, Andrew. Let's just go rapid fire here. We talked about our MVP. We're both in agreement. Dylan Jones is the MVP. Uh, who do you think the newcomer of the year is? First of all, PSA, I debated this on my ESPN Plus call for the rivalry game. It cannot be Anand Moody. Anand Moody is new to the Grizz. He's not new to the Big Sky. Played at Southern Utah and Northern uh, North Dakota. Uh, Bryson Lester of the Big Sky Conference asked me, to uh, define that for people. So Anamudi can't be the newcomer of the year in the Big Sky. So then who is the newcomer of the year in the Big Sky? I would still take Isaac Jones really narrowly over Darius Brown II and uh, and Brock McKenzie from Idaho State. A lot of good candidates for this award this year. Uh, I would still keep Isaac Jones there. That's sort of wrapped up with another award, though, Coulter. Well, that's right, because Darius Brown is also a newcomer of the year award uh, candidate, but I have him as my defensive player of the year. I just think that's the right way to get both of those guys some recognition because Isaac Jones is leading the conference in blocks. He could be defensive player of the year, too, and you could give Darius Brown newcomer. I think uh, Darius Brown leading the conference in steals. Uh, You give him defensive player of the year, you make Isaac Jones the newcomer of the year. Darius Jones was, or Darius Brown, excuse me, was such a game changer in a couple different games this year, specifically uh, in the Kakariz game in Bozeman. Uh, top reserve in the league this, this year? Great Osobar. I totally agree. Great Osobar from Montana State. Uh, he's what makes the Bobcats so tough because you can load, manage, bellow, and you have this two-headed monster at center. I totally agree. Uh, and then last one, how about coach of the year? Well, I think David Riley has it has it wrapped up. I've been really impressed with what they've done at Eastern Washington. I know a little shine has, has come off of it, but we talked about how they've built that roster, how they've thrown all these guys from disparate backgrounds together. I think he's got them playing really hard, really competitively. I think that one's a lock. 
I totally agree. I think Danny Sprinkle is the best coach in the league. I think Travis DeCure is also an excellent coach. Those guys can't win it every year, though. Uh, uh, that's exactly right. And and here's the thing. Basketball season is so long that we get used to these unusual narratives. But if you were to tell me on New Year's Eve that right. Eastern Washington was going to win 16 straight games, I'd say I bet you $1,000 that they're not. Right, <laughs> right. Like, there, there was no way. I thought Eastern was good, and I thought they had stole one here in Missoula. I did not think they were going to have the best start in the history of the Big Sky Conference. And and I think that's why the the league is, is so even, because I do think it's a coach's league, and there's a lot of great coaches in the league, a lot of great candidates in the league, but I agree. I think it's David Riley. College athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuanas here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Well, we changed the venue up on you. We're at number one Euros in Missoula. It's Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Here with John Velk, Velk Law, and our countdown continues. We're almost to the top. We're almost to number one. We're going to save number one for next week when we're headed to the Big Sky Conference tournament. But we're going to go through number four, three, and two. Velk's been sitting courtside. Chris basketball games for more than 40 years. So he's put together all the best players he's seen we thought of one guy. We, 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 this is a, these are four-year players, and so we did a podcast early on about all the non-four-year players that uh, were on the list, and then we've given you updates on each guy, 12 through 5. Uh, most recently talked about Kareem Jamar, Will Cherry, and Kevin Criswell. I was over in Bozeman this weekend for the Cat Grizz game, and uh, I saw former Grizz center Brian Qualley. We were thinking uh, he's a guy that was – Right on the outside, probably on this list, but a guy that worth remembering too. So, uh, one more honorable mention, I guess. Nod before we get to the the other guys, right? Yeah, I know Quali's a good guy, and I, I think I forgot about him because there's been a lot of drinking between when he played <laughs> and when we're doing this uh, interview process. But yeah, I saw I ran into it at the Skybox a couple games back. It might have been the Cat Grizz here at home, and uh, just a great guy. He had a long pro career too. I think he just got done playing because he just got back to Montana recently, and uh, I can't remember his wife's name, but he definitely married the gal from college that he was dating, so that's always fun to see and cool to see uh, the old Grizz guys are in and around town. So um, Brian Qualley was definitely a good one. But now we are into the top four, and uh, the reason we thought of Qualley, other than just seeing him, he also played with a couple guys we did last time, and he played for the guy who's number four on your list. Number four on my list is Wayne Tinkle. Tink's uh, one of the probably, would you say, probably one of the most beloved Grizz figures ever, right, between his time as a player and a coach? Yeah, if you if you don't get along with Tinkle, you've got a problem. You need to you need to get some counseling yourself. Everybody likes him. Uh, he's a good guy, great family man. Uh, and, that you know, basically that's how he did a lot of his recruiting. And then the people that played for him said, yeah, he, it wasn't a joke. It wasn't a lie. Love playing for him. Love him to this day. You know, he still keeps in contact with, Probably just about everybody he's ever recruited. That's right. 
Jinx is the man. He was our neighbor growing up. And they just lived in the neighborhood right below us. And Jocelyn, his daughter, is the same age as my brother. And they went to kindergarten together for our whole lives. So always kept up with the tickles. We used to go to a church with them on Christmas Eve and stuff. So uh, they are. It's just such a great family. Such a great Montana family, too, right? I mean, to have Hall of Fame players for both the, the dad and the mom and then have all the kids be studs, too, it hardly never works out like that. No, it's phenomenal. It's a great, great athletic family. It was a good, uh, I remember it was Lisa McLeod when he first started dating her. We're like, well, that's a good mix because <laughs> none of the rest of us, even though she's beautiful, none of the rest of us are tall enough. So <laughs> he's, he's going to have to go this way. But no, Dinks is a good dude. I, I just remember, you know, he's 6'11". Yeah. And when him and Kristoyak were coaching together here, we had by far and away the two tallest coaches, assistant and head coach ever in the, probably the history of basketball. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Tickle had a, a, an interesting rise during his career because he backed up Kristoviak for a couple of years. He redshirted and then only played about seven minutes a game, nine minutes a game is his redshirt freshman year. But then Kristoviak moves on to the NBA where he played for more than a decade, and then Tickle was the guy. He was the focal point, and he averaged 15 points a game. Uh, his junior year, or excuse me, his sophomore year, 16 points per game his junior year, and then one of the better senior seasons in Grizz history, 17.5 points per game, almost 9.5 rebounds per game, finished as 1,500-point scorer. He was top five in in school's history by the time it was all said and done. Yeah, and I think, you know, the only reason that we used to give him a little bit of grief, I I played a lot of basketball against Tinks in City League after he graduated and even a little bit on the court. It's not fun, I promise. No, no, and, and we were kind of glad that he was just a little get, bit kinder than Kristoyak. Crisco always had a little meaner edge to him, so I always used to tease him and say, if you're not going to get mean and dunk every play with that 6'11 height, I could use just a foot. I'm not going to take it all. But, uh, you know, he had such soft hand. He was such a finesse player. He wasn't somebody that just was going to pound it over your head until he came back from playing the pros and Tinks was a different player then. He played in the pros from 1989 till 2001, went all around the globe, made stops in Topeka, in Germany, Spain, Tri-Cities here in America, Rapid City, and then back overseas all over Europe and uh, an unbelievably distinguished career. And uh, if you want to listen to great stories from that time, go check out our Grizz Greats podcast series. We caught up with all the head coaches in the history of University of Montana basketball. But one of my favorite parts of that podcast series is Tinkle telling stories of when he was playing overseas. Because there's there's some glamorous parts to it. There's also some not glamorous parts to it. He tells his story about getting in a fight with one of the coaches, and he's just like, you know what? I'm out. I quit. Calls up Lisa, and she says, well, Wayne, you can't just you gotta you know we gotta make a living. Gotta do something. So but go listen to those stories. Pretty good. Uh, do you have any definitive memories from Tinkle? He also is interesting too because he not only backed up Kristoviak and then took over for him. But he also kind of spanned the era between Mike Montgomery and Stu Morrill, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think just my overall uh, memories were we didn't have big guys back then that went out and shot from the perimeter. And he would shoot it, and it was just soft and buttery. If anything, it was as good as any guard I've ever seen play here. And that's the kind of memory I just remember him doing a double baseline screen and popping in the corner and just shooting this high, soft, buttery shot. And, you know, even when I played against him in City League many years after he came back from uh, from pro, just an unbelievable – it was funny when he'd released the shot, it looked so effortless. Yeah. I always thought, well, that's it looks nice, but it's going to be short. And it just would just carry and carry and just nestle softly. And I'm like, boy, that's a soft, buttery touch. 
very it's the one of the coolest parts about Grizz basketball is there's been several guys that were outstanding players and then came back here and were the head coaches. You think about Blade Taylor, you think about Wayne Tickle, you think about Larry Kostoviak, and now Travis Takira, all of them were great Grizz players and then great Grizz coaches as well. So that's one of the cool parts about Grizz Hoops. Wayne Tickle, number four. How about uh, number three then? This is going to be a history lesson for me because I, I was too young to see this guy play. Uh, who you got number three? I got Mark Glass, number three. Glass uh, Glass was just smooth and buttery. He he kind of hoped to be recruited by UW Washington out of high school, but they said they didn't think he had enough quickness. Um, but otherwise, unbelievable. Magical outside shot. And he even got to shoot to the point where he's averaging around 10 points a game with Mike Montgomery. And basically as a guard, every time you took a shot as a guard under Montgomery, you were risking basically your playing career if it didn't go in. It's amazing. Uh, Glass was one of the great facilitators in Grizz history. He ended his uh, college career as the all-time leader in assists. I think he's still in the top five or top seven in assists. And uh, his talent probably a testament to the fact that he went and played professionally for a long time. He's drafted in the NBA and then played in the CBA for several years as well. Yeah, he, uh, you know, it was a bummer because he was drafted pretty high, I think, in the fourth round by the Clippers. And then he got hurt. He tweaked his knee. Uh, in preseason and never really got a chance again in the NBA, but he went down and played CBA for, I think, at least three years, and I know he won two two CBA titles and might have won all three. I can't recall exactly for the Tampa Bay Thrillers, but uh, his now wife of gosh knows how many years, 30, 35 years, Kyla, uh, she's a local gal, Kyla Kubrich, We've always been super close friends, and we were in college when he was off in Tampa. We were taking classes together and studying, and so they've always been close. And then when he first came back here uh, to Missoula when they first had their kids, we were next-door neighbors. And he was working for, um, who was it? I think he was working for, uh, anyway, financial company. And, uh, and he, we went to lunch all the time, about once a week. And he took me down to Casa Pablo's and said, I bought a lot today. And I knew Mark was super, super tight and fiscally responsible. So I thought it had to be the best, the best <laughs> price ever known to man on a lot. And sure enough, it was. And I bought the one right next to him. <laughs> cool. Gotta love it. Uh, small world and uh, fun stories and, and fun reminiscing uh, about one of the great greatest point guards in the history uh, of Montana basketball. All right, we're now to the top two. I think pretty much everybody probably knows who number one's going to be. We're still going to talk about a full episode about him next week. But uh, who do you got number two? got number two. I got Andrew Strait. Andrew Strait was uh, probably the guy I would have had if I was making my top list of guys I've ever seen because I wasn't quite old enough for those Mike Montgomery and Stu Morrill teams. But uh, Strait is my exact age. I remember when he first came in, he came down to the rec, the rec center, and I was like, that's Montana's new big guy. He's like 6'6". What's going on? He's not like 6'10". He's like, he's not very big, and, you know, he doesn't jump that well, whatever. Who is this guy? His ability to be efficient 10 feet and in is like seriously nothing I've ever seen cover, cover the big sky for 17 years. Oh, no. I mean, his footwork was unrivaled. And when you think, oh, it's unrivaled for Montana or for the big sky, no, you got to remember, he, he was – kingpin of our team that got our last real win in the NCAA tournament against Nevada. He had 25 plus points in that game. He took that Nevada big guy Nick Fazeklis who went on to play in the NBA he took him to school. I mean he he was the best player on the court in that game. Oh by far and away. I mean he he couldn't be stopped and it was all within the space of four or five feet but he would get so open within four or five feet against a guy that was way taller than him and longer than him that he was making uncontested layups. 
reverse layup, back layup, stop, pump, go around, got the guy doing flybys right and left. He was just super smart, and he maximized his talent. If I was a coach that was trying to emphasize using the glass for a big guy, this is the film I'd show him. I mean, he could... He could bank it, like you were saying, the reverse behind the head layups, but also like the the turnaround hook shot, like off the glass from the block. I mean, it's unbelievable the angles he was able to make. Well, you know, I mean, recently you look at the NBA and LeBron finally overtakes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But I've always wondered how come we don't have more big guys still using like a hook and using sure. the glass. It's really hard to block if somebody works on it and really gets it down efficiently. It may not look cool, but it's massively efficient, and it shows you a guy that was 6'6", was getting off shots against an NBA player for Nevada, right and left, just because he used the glass, he didn't get blocked. Straight still keeps up with Montana basketball as well. I did a story on the 2006 win uh, when it was the 10th anniversary for it, and uh, it's crazy that we're sitting here now like what 17 years and that's the last time a big sky team has won a tournament game that's crazy yeah it's unbelievable you know we just all we got to do is march to the tournament this year and we're almost guaranteed to get one of the uh playing games so we got <laughs> so we got a shot at getting another one with an asterisk straight average more than 15 points per game three years in a row yeah he finished his career 1617 points which i think is still top five or six in school history so uh kid out of yakima washington pretty good one. anything else to add on straight no, other than the fact that I remember that when that game was going down, we were down at Hammerjacks, a bar that's not here anymore, um, and it was kind of the local hangout for a little bit for young professionals. And we're in there with about 12 of us, and by the time halftime hit, word had been spreading around downtown, and every single business guy downtown was there. There was no standing room, uh, let alone getting in the door, and we were screaming and yelling. One of the best memories I've ever had. Yeah, I love it. John Velk, Velk Law, giving, a, a year, giving, you, giving you his top 12 countdown of the best grids he's ever seen. And we are to the end now. We will have number one next week as we're on our way to the Big Sky Tournament. Uh, we're sitting down here at number one Euros just right across the street, basically, from Velk's shop. He's got, uh, he's got his office right there off of Orange Street. Uh, you can always swing it if you need any help fighting the insurance companies. You've been in a car accident. Or you can always give him a call. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? Just give me a call at the same number for 33 years now, 406-543-0909, velklaw.com. But also, don't forget to uh, come on over here to number one Euro and help out the Cordoneros family. It's a great place to eat. I just had these Greek fries and this Slovakia thing. Oh, my God. So good. Uh, excellent. We're coming here again. Thanks for being here, buddy. We'll see you next week. Thanks, pal. Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old-school journalism with a new-age presentation at SkylineSportsMT.com. The Nuanas brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives Big Sky Conference athletics every day. For $8 a month or 90 bucks a year, get access to comprehensive college grizz and bobcat coverage at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every Every day, every season.